Let's pray over the word this morning. I'm gonna, I want to minister. Let me, let me read kind of our, maybe I'll read our theme passage this morning first, and then we'll pray over the word. Is that all right? This is out of the Passion Translation, Matthew 16, 19. And uh, then we'll pray over the word. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of heaven's realm to bind on earth what is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth. Lord, we thank you this morning that you uh, have brought us in to a divine unity with you and with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, that we do have a common union with you, that our eyes are open and our hearts are awakened. And we receive from you this morning revelation about who we are and what we're to do. We welcome a clarity to rest upon us and we welcome the anointing that empowers to be present in this room. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. So this is, this is, that passage is the first of Jesus announcing the church. And he announces it in such a way where he declares the church to be his ecclesia. So we have translated, or the translators have translated that word church 115 times. But the word in the original language is ecclesia, the called out. And remember, we've been talking about how that this word was actually borrowed from Greek and Roman culture. And it was more of a governmental political word than it was a congregational word. And though we're a congregation, though we're a body, though we're a family, though we are known by love for one another, Jesus was reinforcing something special about what he was calling his sons and daughters, the sons and daughters of God to do. And he introduced it in the framework of the breakthrough, the liberty, the victory that he would win in the heavens, that victory, we would be the legislative body, we would be the Congress, we would be the senators, we would be the representatives that bring that breakthrough to the earth realm. He borrows this term from Rome wherein some would be sent from Rome. They would be called out. They would be recognized. They would be special. They would be set apart. They would be called out. And then they would be sent out to Ephesus or Philippi, to, to Corinth. They would be sent out to represent the Roman kingdom and to change and to bring about and to instill the Roman culture and kingdom and government in that place where they were sent. And it's in that context that he says, I'm going to call my ecclesia and the gates of hell. Or 
or whatever's present, wherever the ecclesia goes, whatever's present, whatever's there, whatever demonic power. You know, he didn't say, I'm going to build my ecclesia. And the presence of negativity or the presence of discouraging words or the, the presence of, you know, the presence of bad things will not be over to, able to overpower my cold out, my ecclesia. If he would have said something like that, it wouldn't have been a sum total of understanding that the victory he was winning was so great that it would encompass a power that would overthrow all darkness. So he says the gates of hell, the influence of hell, and of course they knew that at the city gates, that's where the ecclesia would manifest their government. That's where the ecclesia would be present in rule or expression as well. And he says, even if the city gates are animated with hell itself, they will not overpower the ecclesia. They will not overpower my governing body, my Congress, my legislators, my senators, my representatives of heaven. They will show up in the very place of darkness and they will bring a higher authority, a higher power, a higher demonstration, a higher influence, and it will crush the gates of hell. That's what, we, that's what we're called to do. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's our calling, church. And so, yes, we're a family, and yes, we're a congregation, and yes, we love each other, and we're a hospital, and we build up each other, and we encourage one another, but we don't back away from culture. We don't back away from education. We don't back away from government. We have a voice. We have a voice. And your, your voice is your vote. First in the spirit realm, first in the spirit realm, and then in the natural. Your voice is your vote. There's no Congress without a vote. There's no legislation without a vote. There's no senators without a vote. When we come together, we have a majority rule over agreement with heaven. And our voice is our vote. That's why your voice is so important. That's why the enemy wants to shut your voice up. That's why the enemy wants to silence your voice. That's why there's been an influence in the church, upon the church, and over the church for ages to quiet, to silence the church. Today, I want us to consider the story of Esther a little bit. And I'll probably allude to it more than I will read it. But it's interesting, in the story of Esther, you might remember the story of Esther. Haman, who's the bad guy? Everybody say bad guy. Haman talks Xerxes, the king, into issuing an edict to destroy the Jews. 
Well, I found it interesting that Haman's name means loud. That his name means loud. His, his name actually refers to his voice. And his name means one who is loud. Isn't it interesting... And we're seeing it in culture right now, aren't we? We're seeing expressions of the demonic realm that are loud. And I think so many times as believers, what happens is, is that if we see something in culture, if we see something in culture where the enemy has an expression or the enemy lays claim to it or the enemy gets there first or the enemy claims it first or the enemy lays hold of it first or the enemy is using a particular tactic, I think sometimes we back away from it. We back away. Oh, yeah, we shouldn't be loud. I mean, we've considered that. You've considered that maybe in your own mind. Why is it that that the loud voice that they're all getting together in protesting and as they protest and we've got the sh we've got the church shut down come on tell me if that isn't a Haman plan and we've got this loud protest going on but Christians we're just the meek quiet ones we're just the gentle obedient ones and part of this is because we've been conditioned for hundreds of years to be quiet and not to be loud. It's interesting, though, all throughout the Psalms, when we read the Psalms, David talks about with a loud voice. He talks about with a voice of shouting. He, he talks about raising his voice. He talks about lifting his voice. See, it isn't the Bible that's given us silence and quietness. It's religion. Oh, 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 stop, stop, stop. When you come in the cathedral, shh. This is a cathedral. You might steer the holy. You might scare the Holy Spirit away. God is very fragile. Tiptoe in and find a find a seat in your pew, please. I mean, this was so prevalent in religion in my upbringing, and I grew up Pentecostal, but this was so prevalent in, in my upbringing that we would have silent prayer meetings. We would have silent prayers. We would have silent prayer requests. I'm absolutely serious. We would, we would literally have one of these silent prayer meetings where we're all, you know, praying, and then the leader would say, does anybody have an unspoken prayer request? Do you remember this? Somebody would say, does anyone have an unspoken prayer request? That's powerful. Then we wonder why nothing ever gets done. We wonder why we don't have breakthroughs. We wonder why the devil's raging. We wonder why things are so bad when we're so dumb. 
I call it generic prayers for generic Christians with generic answers. God done anything in your life? Uh, well, I will bet. Hello, somebody. Haman's name, one who was loud. And here's what happened. You remember the story in Esther 4? You remember, you remember Mordecai, he actually sees a copy of the edict. Mordecai sees a copy of the edict that the Jews will be destroyed on a particular day. And so he sees the edict, so he sins by the eunuch that was serving Esther in the court. He gets a hold of that eunuch and he sends a message into Esther. And he tells Esther, because Esther saw him from the palace and he was downcast of heart, downcast of face. She wanted to know why is Uncle Mordecai so downcast? And so the message comes back. And he sends in the message. He reports on the edict. And you know what he says? He says, if you stay silent, our people, our people are about to be destroyed. And maybe you have come to your place for such a time as this. But if you stay silent, if you stay silent in this hour, then God may raise up deliverance for the Jews from some other source, but you and your family will perish. If you stay silent. Church, you have a voice. Your voice is your vote. Your vote is your voice. If you are not raising up your voice, church, if you are not raising up your voice, if you are not lifting up your voice, if you are not legislating with your voice, church, then you are missing what God has called you to in this season. God has set you in this generation, in this season. He's knit you with authority. He's knit you with blessing. He's knit you with his very essence and his very character for such a time as this. And these scriptures about ecclesia, these scriptures about victory, these scriptures about authority, of which I, I, I have a moment. I could read some of these to you. They are yet to be fully fulfilled. We're, we're, we're still walking. I'm reading, uh, I'm reading Micah 4 and Isaiah 2 uh, uh, coming into this. And, and it's stuff that's yet to be fulfilled. We're still, yet, we're still yet to see the fulfillment of so many amazing things. Things that will come to pass. We're not wringing our hands with... Woe is me-ism. God is not pacing the floors of the heaven nervous and scared because Antifa did something. Hello. Oh, my word, what am I going to do now? I didn't even anticipate Antifa. Rebellious unbelievers. Wow, they're acting just like Vashti. 
acting just like Haman. Oh, my word. Jesus, what are we going to do? Holy Spirit, do you have any ideas? We didn't see this coming. Are you kidding me? This is nothing for him. If he has a voice. If he has a vote. If he has, the, if he has a Senate. If he has a Congress. If he, if he has somebody he can work with. If he has somebody who agrees with him. If he has somebody that will lift up their voice. If he has somebody who will walk with him and work with him. If he has somebody who will stand their ground in the spirit realm. Then this is nothing for him. This is nothing for this generation. This is nothing for this time period. Isaiah, Isaiah 2. Listen. This is what Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord. The Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. Wow, that means it'll be above government. It'll be above media. It'll be above education. It'll be above arts and entertainment. It'll be above, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It will be exalted above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. And many people will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways that we may walk in his paths, and the law will go out from Zion. Church, I want to tell you something. There is a natural Zion. But he's talking here about a spiritual Zion as well. He's already ruling from heavenly Jerusalem. There's great fulfillments coming for the natural Zion. But there's fulfillments right here for spiritual Zion that are yet to be fulfilled. And look what happens as this comes into a greater expression. It says that they will beat their swords to plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Has it happened yet, church? But we're on our way. We're on our way to a growing kingdom, a kingdom that influences the earth, a kingdom people that are filled with hope and light, a kingdom people who are subduing darkness, even the worst darkness, the gates of hell at any jurisdiction will not be able to withstand the power, the force, the delegate, and the delegation of the ecclesia when they come up against it. Should they come up against it? Well, I'm kind of busy right now. I've got a lot of things going on. No, 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 no. No, for such a time as this, you have been born that you would come up against, that you would come up against the gates of hell. That is the thought. That is the philosophy. That is the mindset. That is the power. That is the authority. That is... The, the, the educational embodiment that exists in the gates of hell. There is a wisdom from above. There is a wisdom from beneath. And our wisdom will prevail as we make war in the spirit realm, as we make war in the heavenlies. Are you okay with this? Wow. I want to read a couple of passages to you because these speak, these passages speak to of our joint ruling. Our joint ruling. We're not, joint, we're not just joint heirs with Jesus. 
We, we are joint rulers with Jesus. Will you believe that? Ephesians 3.10. His intent, this is the intent of the Father, the intention of the Father coming into the breakthroughs that were accomplished, the, the victories that were accomplished by Jesus. His intent was that now through the church, everybody say through the church. Now change that because the actual word there is ecclesia. Don't think congregation. That now through the ecclesia, say that now through the ecclesia. Not just the loving, friendly, happy uh, body uh, of Christ who have their blinders on to world troubles and uh, we're just going to nervously worship and believe that God's got this. <clears throat> no, not, that, not just that love, but the ecclesia. He, he wrote this to the ecclesia. This is one of the 115 references of the ecclesia in the New Testament. And he says here that now through the ecclesia, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. How is that? How? How? How will the manifold wisdom of God be made known to powers and authorities and rulers if the church is silent? If the church is quiet. Warfare can even be expressed in your worship, and it should be. Warfare can be expressed in your worship. God can rout the enemy through your worship. He did so in Second Chronicles chapter 20, Second Chronicles 20, verse 20. It says that Jehoshaphat appealed to the prophets about what they should do about the Midianites that were before them, this great vast army. And the instruction that came from the prophetic word was, send Judah first, send Judah out and have them sing. Remember that? What if the warfare God would put in your heart could be a song? What if he would have you sing it? Or what if there's a song that he would put his spotlight on and say, sing this. But don't just sing it like some FM radio tune. Sing it with authority. Sing it with victory. Sing it with courage. Sing it with an attitude. Sing it with Matthew eleven twelve. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Sing it with an attitude. Sing it with an attitude. Don't, don't let Haman, don't let the enemy have all the attitude. Don't let the enemy be the only loud one. And so he gave them the words to sing. You know what they were to sing? 
The Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Now, why would they sing that? Because they were about to be annihilated. They were about to be destroyed. And they weren't perfect, and they weren't covered by blood. And they needed mercy instead of judgment. They needed mercy instead of judgment. And so the song that they were to sing as they went out leading the camp, and as they sang that song, God, God ambushed the enemy. That's part of that word on repentance right there is that we need to be so activated right now in a humility before the Lord that his rescuing us and rescuing the righteous and rescuing the cause of Christ in the earth isn't because we're so perfect, but because we're covered. Because we're covered. Because he's merciful. Because he's merciful. Because he's kind. Because if it weren't for him, we would all be devoured and destroyed. So we lean into his mercy. We lean into his mercy. And we lean into his warfare at the same time. That God makes a good war for us unless we're silent. Even that passage, isn't that great that the passage doesn't say? I mean, what does it imply when we look at it? Because the passage itself implies some things about it when we look at it. It doesn't say, just send Judah out. You know, the praising guys. You know, Judah, the, the, the praise team, the, the warrior guys. The, the guys that, you know, really hang out with David and stuff. Send them out and just have them uh, dance around. Put the best Judah robes on them, by the way, as they go. And, um, and I, I send them out and have them smile. Nope. Nope. As it was with Esther. If you remain silent in this hour, you have been raised up for this very hour. You have been raised up for such a time as this. And if you remain silent... You're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to take a risk with your mouth. And if you will not remain silent, if you will be those who come up against Haman and all that he represents for his plan to shut down and destroy. See, I think COVID was more about shutting down the church than it was shutting down anything else. But here's the way trauma works. If the enemy attaches something to trauma, then you don't figure out, usually, that the enemy was behind it because the trauma hides it. So we got to make it look like we're really after everything. We got to make it look like this is a pandemic. We got to make it look like that businesses get treated just like churches. We got to make it look like everybody is shut down fairly. We got to make it look that way. But don't you know this is the beginning of that blasted billion soul revival they've been talking about? Don't you know if we don't shut down the church, they're going to get that revival? Don't you know if we don't shut? So well, what are we going to do? Shut down the businesses too. 
shut down everything. Shut down everything you can. And then they'll never figure out that we were actually after the church. As you know, in America, 37,000 churches have closed their doors, and they are saying that a third of them will never open their doors again. And you heard what Joe said about the finances of churches, the suffering, the carnage of churches, laying off staff, minimizing ministries, closing doors, shutting down prayer meetings. Why? Why? Because that blasted billion soul harvest is about to start, and we're going to fight it, we're going to stop it, we're going to come against it. And the ecclesia says, no, you won't. The ecclesia says, you will not stop the billion soul harvest. The ecclesia says, we will not be quiet. We will not shut up. We will not back down. We will not go home. We will not give up. We will not change our mind. That's what the ecclesia says. That's who he's called us to be. That's who he's called us to be. Look at the end of this. I love the end of this. The end of this story is so good because everything that Haman planned came upon him. He had a giant, he had a, a, a giant gallows erected to impale, to kill Mordecai. But it's what he found himself on. Everything that had been granted to him, the power, the authority, the favor, the palace, everything granted to Haman, Esther and Mordecai, because they would not be silent, inherited all of it. 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 Can you take that? Can you, can you take a risk? Can we take a risk? And believe God will do something amazing? Chapter 8, verse 7. King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, because Haman attacked the Jews, I've given his estate to Esther. And they will have him impaled on the pole that he set up. Now write another decree in the king's name. And on behalf of the Jews, it seems best for you. And seal it with the king's signet ring. For no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. And the secretaries were summoned. And they wrote it to the 120 in the name of the king. And sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring. And sent them by the mounted couriers. Those who rode on fast horses. Especially bred for the king. And then the king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and to protect themselves, to destroy and to kill and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or providence who would attack them and their women and their children. Let's stand this morning. The title of my message today is Victory is Loud. Victory is loud. The enemy has told you that quiet is pious. That's what the enemy's told you. The enemy's been spreading this rumor in churches for hundreds of years. Shh. You got to be pious. 
Silence is pious. And Father is saying, no, no. No, not for an ecclesia. See, an ecclesia has to have a vote. And a vote has to have a voice. I've called my people to have a voice. I've called my people to lift up their voice. And actually, when you lift up your voice, you release the agreement with Father in your jurisdiction for His will to come to pass. You have a voice. Your voice in this ecclesia is as powerful as my voice in this ecclesia. Your voice in your community, in your region, in the place where He's made you an Esther, where He's drawn you in or given you favor, your voice in that place is more important than my voice in that place. And Jesus doesn't have a voice except through you in that place. And the first place that you express that voice is in your prayer closet over that region. Oh, I love what the prophets used to do. They used to get something that symbolized, symbolized, get a map and touch it. Get something from the office and bring it into your prayer closet. Get some oil and take it in and anoint it around your bank, around your business, around your prayer closet. Co-mingle, co-mingle that realm with the spirit realm because your warfare in the spirit realm opens up your love affair in the natural realm your wisdom fair your truth fair your repairing your restoration work is opened up in the natural realm when you've made warfare in the spirit realm. That's why Jesus said, if you'll pray in secret, he didn't mean come into a closet and just make a bunch of petitions. That's religious as well. Where does the ecclesia pray from? Where, where do you rule from? You, you rule from heaven's courts. You rule from where you're seated. You don't pray as some beggar, oh God, please touch my business, help my business, help my business. No, you pray, show, show me how to change my business, Holy Spirit. Oh, there's, a, there's an assignment against the business, okay. Let's tear that down. Oh, there's unclean principles that have been released at the in the bylaws of my business, okay, where we're going to confront that in the spirit realm. And then once I kind of get the sense that those bylaws, that, that I've got a breakthrough in the spirit realm, I'm going to talk to the person in charge who writes the bylaws. We'll get some of those shifted. And Jesus said, if you'll do that in the prayer closet, if you'll pray in secret, you'll be rewarded openly. What he means is that it, it can't help but manifest. If you've refused to be silent in the spirit realm, then when you get over to the natural realm, it can't help but be ready to be manifest. But don't be silent there either. Can you say amen? You got your elements? Don't you love that you bear the name Christian? Don't you love that? 
Remember, Christ is not his last name. Remember, Christ means the Messiah, the King, the Lord, the Anointed. You bear his name. Isaiah prophesied of it. He said, there will be a, they will be known by a new name. You bear his name. You are anointed. And you have been raised up. Even, you, you might even say, well, I, I, I just, I'm not much yet. Oh, 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 you're more than you think you are. And just wait and see what God does with you. And you have been raised up for such a time as this. He puts you in this generation because what he ordained about you is enough in this generation to overcome the enemy. Let's agree with that right now. Grab your bread. Say it with me, Father. Thank you for making me one with you, one with the Christ, one with the Holy Spirit, a conquering anointed one who has a voice. A conquering anointed one who has a voice. I will not fear. I will not give place to fear. I will not be quiet because of fear. I will fear no harm, no retaliation. I will, I will fear no plans or tricks or schemes of the enemy. For I am covered by you and by your grace. Let's take the bread together. giving your life to the Lord today, if you're coming back to the Lord today, you're renewing, restoring your covenant with Him today, you're just acknowledging the forgiveness of sin, the cleansing of sin, and a unity with Father that you desire, I want you to come and meet us here at the front as we close. Somebody's going to come and pray with you. If that's you today, we'll just meet you as we close in worship today. If you're watching us from home and you're giving your life back to the Lord, please reach out to us. Email us, call us, let us know. Go into the browser, whatever you're watching on, let us know. God bless you, church. The Lord's blessing on you. His face shine upon you. His increase rest upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. the end.